morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I am Melissa Hunter Davis with Sugarcane Magazine, and this is This Week in Caribbean Art and Culture. And of course, I'm always here with the best hostesses in the world, starting with Susie. Hi, everybody. Suzanne Fredericks here. Susie Wong presents in Jamaica. And Maria. Hi, I'm Maria Lenartes, curator based in Portford, Texas. So, all right. So we had a conversation a few months ago about what we wanted to do this season and who we wanted to talk to. And Susie and Maria like gave us this incredible list of people to bring on that we had to have on the podcast to make sure that their conversation is a part of the official archive of the art world and honestly for anyone. So and Maria, of course, has always done a great job. So I'm going to pass this over to Maria. So she's going to give us a little bit of background about our guest today and who we're going to be talking to. Thank you, Melissa. So today we're going to be talking to Marina Reyes Franco, who's um, a dear friend and colleague. And I'll tell you more about her work in just a second. But before that, you know, in the last, you know, uh, you know, in the last five, 10 years, there's been this boom, of course, in focus on Caribbean art practices. And specifically this past year, there were um, shows that opened up in you know, Chicago, New York, um, and other parts of the country as well. But there were three shows that, you know, you know, of course I have to share and um, this is which all my freaking uh, co-fellow curators uh, for cast forums in Chicago, by Carla Yates, um, who spoke with us a couple of weeks ago. And then Marina Reyes Franco also opened a show um, Tropical is Political, which opened first at the American Society in New York City, and then to um, uh, to her, where she works at the Museo de Arte Contemporáneo in Puerto Rico. So it's like these three shows are happening, and I think it's good to just kind of hone in and go into them, because they really uh, provide interesting perspectives about contemporary art in the Caribbean, artists, and also curatorial strategies. This show is the only one that is going to be shown in New York, the diaspora, but also in Puerto Rico. So that's also, I think for a lot of us uh, in the field, we always dream of such a, a conversation. So, um, but without further ado, I should say, you know, that Marina Reyes Franco is a curator at the Museo de Arte Contemporáneo de Puerto Rico. She received a BA in our history from the University of Puerto Rico and an MA in Argentine and Latin American art history at the IDAES USAM in Buenos Aires, Argentina. In 2010, she co-founded La Ene and an interim museum and collection. Some recent projects include Deloisa a la Loisa, Amac en el Barrio, Public Art Commission by Daniel Lin Ramos, Resisting Paradise at Publica, San Juan and Fondo Idali Montreal, What's Your Step, Mind Your Head, IFA Gallery Berlin, the second Grand Tropical Biennial in Loisa, Puerto Rico, Caliban Mac in San Juan, C32 Sucursal Malva in Buenos Aires, and numerous exhibitions at La N. As curator and researcher, she has focused on the work of Esteban Valdez, artistic and literary manifestations on the frontier of political action and the impact of tourism and cultural production in the Caribbean. She received the 2017 CPPC Travel Award for Central America and the Caribbean and was nominated for ICA 2014 Independent Vision Cultural Award. So thank you for joining us, Marina. Perhaps we can start with a uh, just like a, a, a conversation about um, what is the exhibition and how that it came to be. Uh, uh, hi, everybody. And thank you, Melissa, Maria, and Susie for the invitation. Um, I would say that the exhibition is the, it's like at the same time, it's a culmination, but not, <laughs> it's like a temporary culmination to um, the research I've been doing over the past couple of years, mainly um, since 2016, but also, um, I started rehearsing it, uh, I guess, in 2016. And then with 2017 uh, through 2018, I was able to travel around the Caribbean with this travel grant. And uh, I went to the Bahamas, Trinidad, Jamaica, uh, Panama, the Dominican Republic. And of course, I, I was always thinking about these issues from Puerto Rico. Um, 
So the exhibition really focuses on on artists that I met through during those trips. And I guess I would, you would say that's part of the curatorial strategy of the show and how to edit. Um, but the show really um, wants to stress the, the fact that there is a very direct link between the like the evolution of the plantation economy and the current um, tourism economy or tourism focused uh, economies throughout the Caribbean, as well as other extractive practices uh, that we can identify in in different financial schemes that are prevalent throughout the region, uh, or maybe not necessarily only throughout the region. Uh, I mean. You know, shell companies are not exclusive to the Caribbean, but they are identified with uh, the Caribbean. Like tax havens are identified uh, with islands and with the Caribbean and with like what people can assume are like, you know, just like fragile uh, <laughs> um, bureaucracies or, or, or democracies that are more prone to being manipulated. But in reality, uh, there are more shell companies and, and, you know, and tax havens established in the city of London than anywhere else in the world. Uh, so it, it just, so the exhibition really focuses on three areas of action, I would say, uh, the body, the territory and finance. Um, in the previous two exhibitions that you mentioned in What's Your Step, Mind Your Head and in Resisting Paradise, I, I started really small. Uh, I started with only two artists, Sofia Galliza Moriente and Irene Andres, who's from Ibiza. Uh, so there was this interest in, in, only, in only working from one archive that we created together. And then in the second exhibition, it was three artists, two from Jamaica and one uh, Laisha Johnson and Deborah Ansinger and J.D. Minaya, who's Dominican-American and lives in New York. Uh, and that mainly focused on the body and like the impact of the tourism economy and the visitor economy on the body and how the body is perceived, especially in racialized bodies. And then this third one really allowed me to work with more artists. So there's 19 artists in the show. And then we expanded uh, to include that financial aspect that I think is is so uh, at the forefront of everything that we are uh, being impacted by in, in in the region and in Puerto Rico in particular, where where I live. I was wondering. Um, I mean, that's very interesting. Like, I didn't know that fact about London, for example, um, uh, but it makes total sense. Um, I I was wondering about like how this research came to be, and also. Um, I think that like when you, I don't know if you share this experience, like when you grow up in Puerto Rico and then you go to see the other islands, there's like, and the practices there, there's like a, it's, a for me, it was like the discovering new worlds that were connected to mine, but that it, it, it they were different. So I just wondering if about also that process along with the research. Um, I had to, imagine what I would find or what I wanted to find in order to get the money to actually travel. <laughs> so I was assuming certain things and uh, it's not that I was incorrect in, in assuming certain things, but there were like, there were, it wasn't like I was jumping to conclusions. It was more like I wanted to, um, like I assumed that there would be a connection between our experience with the military presence, like the U.S. Um, Navy's presence in Puerto Rico, and the Na the U.S. Navy's presence in uh, in Trinidad, in the occupation of the mainly in the occupation of the peninsula of Chaguaramas, and I assumed that there would be an even bigger connection to uh, to the canal zone and the experience of the transformation of the canal zone in in Panama. So I was making these assumptions because I wanted to justify uh, <laughs> getting the funds to go there, but there were, uh, but there was also, you know, uh, there was some, there were some definite links that, uh, that we could have, that 
that I wanted to explore and that we were able to explore in, uh, with the shows and in, in conversation with the artists. Um, but I guess in some cases, uh, for example, I think that the in, in these cases in particular with the, the Navy in Chaguaramas and in, in Panama, uh, the whole reason for Panama existing is the canals, is, is the canal, is the creation of the canal and like the, the how it really benefited U.S. interests. So that was very, um, I was right, you know, <laughs> it's like definitely like there was a connection and there was this uh, like hypothesis proved, you know, obviously like there is a connection between the, their experience and ours. Great. In Chaguaramas, it just felt a little bit more distant. Uh, like there had been this, uh, this, this impact, this really like wound in, in the in Trinidadian history in terms of like really like they have a, they had achieved independence from from the UK but then they had to achieve independence from the US Navy uh and 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 get to kick them out so there had been a lot of uh a lot of yeah like civil disobedience like there had been in Puerto Rico with like uh, with kicking the navy out of uh out of Vieques which is an island municipality of the coast of like the main island in Puerto Rico and so so there was this connection but it seemed more distant in time uh like decades away and what was happening now was that the space was being used in many multiple ways but there was no like um overarching like project about the redevelopment the really um yeah, that, that really redeveloped really <laughs> the area to benefit most of the people in in the islands. So, like, and it wasn't, it just wasn't as prevalent in, in people's work. So I was making assumptions and trying to, you know, see as, as time progressed, like, what was... Um, what worked and what didn't, what connected and what didn't. So what I wanted to do, I, I mean, I wanted to focus on the post, um, post-military spaces, their uses, uh, their meanings, how spaces are resignified. And that was the interest in going to these places that I already mentioned. Um, then there was the financial aspect, which obviously like encompassed Panama as well because of the Panama Papers and, you know, like um, that fame <laughs> that Panama um, has and also the Bahamas as another tax haven. But we have a relationship. We have all been blacklisted at one time or another um, by different financial institutions or or like conglomerates. So I was interested in seeing like where like where where these uh, companies based, like what is the address of the what is the address in Nassau that uh, that houses like thousands and thousands of shell companies? Where is this located in downtown and how <laughs> and how it is so like in plain view? Uh, and then in, right in the front, you'll see this uh, this parade with the um, I don't know what, what they are. It's like police, like some kind of orchestra, like police orchestra performing with like leopard skins uh draped in leopard skins and performing for the tourists like this whole scene was just like kind of insane <laughs> uh but i think i lost track of the question honestly but i i but what i wanted to do was like by making assumptions and uh establishing connections it was like seeing where we connected and where we didn't like i can only I can only say like what I've felt and seen in Puerto Rico. And then I wanted to see how that was, um, how that correlated to what was going on in the other places that I was interested in. The way that I chose them was because they had like this kind of Venn diagram of interests that overlapped issues that I saw happening here as well, in terms of displacement, in terms of gentrification, um, the resignification of spaces and how there is this like kind of layering of history uh, in the same sites, but 
that that layering often serves to obscure certain histories um, and the histories of certain people. And then other narratives are highlighted and and commercialized or made up. <laughs> so where, where, who are the artists that are in the show? And, you know, I know that, you know, you mentioned 19 artists, so um, we probably could not go through all the works, but perhaps some highlights that kind of speak to these ideas um, uh, that you just described. Yes, um, I think from Puerto Rico, there's Gillo Tirado and Sofia Galliza. I think that their relationship um, I mean, there is a relationship between their works because they both address uh, this kind of nation building moments at the end of the 40s, the tail of the, of the 40s and the, and the beginning of the 50s. Gijo's uh, work is a neon uh, and it says Caribe Hostile, like hostile Caribbean, but it's in the style of the, the, the font is in the style of the Caribe Hilton's logo. That uh, that hotel was established in, it, it opened in 1949 and it was really uh, a government enterprise. Like it it had the name Hilton, but it was leased to the Hilton. Uh, but it was, actually, and it was actually commissioned, the art, the building itself was commissioned by the government. So there was this, uh, this interest in uh, establishing a relationship between tropical modernist architecture and design because it also, I mean, there was the building, but they also commissioned furniture and other things. Uh, there was this interest in, in presenting Puerto Rico in a certain light uh, as uh, a space that was tropical, but American, that was Caribbean, but safe, <laughs> uh, that was also, uh, that was like under the, protectorship of uh, of the US where your investment was safe and and you could have like exotic experiences but in a sort of recognizable environment and design was really important to that um, so the government the government at the time commissioned the the creation of this hotel and then they kind of shopped it around and Hilton was the only company that bit honestly <laughs> uh, and it became the first Hilton hotel outside of the continental U.S. so it was important for the company in their in their growth but it was also very important uh, in how Puerto Rico marketed itself at, uh, at in the beginning of the 50s and you must also understand that we um, we had our first election for governor in 1948. So this is right at that moment where there are a lot of uh, things shifting in government and kind of being negotiated with the U.S. Uh, and that negotiation kind of, you know, uh, culminates <laughs> in uh, our, the current constitution which was ratified in, in 52. But this also coincides with a moment of like a lot of uh, civil unrest. So there was an up, like a pro-independence uprising in 1950 as well. So it is, it was not the first time that kind of tourism and the marketing of Puerto Rico uh, coincided with uh, just like violence and um, political violence and, and death and et cetera. <laughs> uh, so there was this very uh, obvious desire to kind of present Puerto Rico on a, in a different light, in a more pacified uh, and you know pleasurable light. And Sophia's work is a video that she filmed in, uh, in the former home of the last... Uh, U.S. appointed governor, who was uh, Rexford Tugwell. And in, in that video, the, the people that are, that are filmed in it uh, include a, a political anthropologist, Derimar Bonilla, Deepak Lambda, who's a, an economist, his partner, who's a journalist, Laura Perez, and Sofia herself. So they are recording themselves uh, discussing the writings of Rexford Tugwell in this home. But the only way that 
they've been able to access this home is because it's an it's on Airbnb. Um, and then the video also presents the the eventual <laughs> like uh, destruction of the architect's uh, home, which was burnt, which burnt down. Uh, obviously, it was arson, but there there was no real investigation following through on that. So there's this. Uh, so like the video presents their discussion of the man's writings, but also the other man who built this, uh, this building, uh, Henry Klum, a, a German architect who lived in Puerto Rico and also developed a lot of like tropical modernist buildings. Um, his home, the one that he built for himself, was uh, in the hands of the public. Like it belonged to the University of Puerto Rico and it burnt down. So the, the video also questions um, what is preserved, whose histories are preserved and for whom. So one building was able to survive, has been able to survive because it served private interests and tourism. And the other one was supposed to be used for <laughs> education, um, for education purposes, and it burnt down. I wanted to pause here for a second um, uh, because I just want to offer a timeline to our listeners. You know, Puerto Rico um, was part of a Spanish uh, call. It was a Spanish colony until 1898. And then it has American appointed governors until which year, Marina? Like like the 40, 40s, I guess? Uh, 48. And then, you know, elections starts after that with Puerto Ricans electing the governor. And in the midst of that decade, this whole... Um, um, moment that this works by Gigi and Sofia are um, addressing. That, that's what they're describing, right? This shift, which is a very uh, important decade in that history. And I also want, before we move into other artists of the show, I think that it's quite neat to think of this history in relationship to with artists like Bad Bunny, who are speaking about like kind of like the colonial narrative. So um, now you have more context when you listen to your next Bad Bunny song. Anyway, <laughs> moving on to other artists in the show that are um, not from Puerto Rico. Yes, uh, I think Joiri Minaya's work is also very impressive in the show. The the way that we were able to present to present Lavadi, the video installation Lavadi in New York was uh, way scaled down because of the space that we had at America Society. But here at the Mac, we were able to build the whole, like the, the little house. <laughs> uh, and it's this um, like rectangular enclosure uh, created with uh, like stretch fabric with floral prints, like, like cliched uh, tropical floral prints, both inside and outside of the, of, of this, I don't know, rectangle, <laughs> uh, rectangle. And then, uh, and there are certain openings uh, where you can look inside or uh, enter the space. And there's a, there's also a, like a lounge chair, like a pool chair where you can sit down and watch the video. And it takes you on this trip uh, that the artist also took um, on, a, on a cruise ship arriving which arrives in 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 Lavadie in Haiti uh, but it's a Haiti without Haitians or most or or more accurately a Haiti not for Haitians so the only Haitians that are in the that are in the video are there as workers of this resort that is owned by uh, Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines and this is also uh, this happens Throughout the Caribbean, there are little resort areas or peninsulas or keys that are leased by cruise ship companies, and they just take over everything and, you know, privatize natural resources. Uh, and in the case of Haiti, it's even more striking because the images that are most prevalent about Haiti are really terrible images that um, that just highlight one aspect. Uh, like the most terrible and devastating aspects of Haiti. And then we have this um, kind of, you know, we have this resort that is not anything that is ever broadcast about, um, about Haiti, but it really takes people 
like outside of time. <laughs> um, uh, so there's like pools, there's the beaches, they're being served by um, by the Haitians. But but then we also like because of the subtitles that the captions that uh, that Joyty has included in the video, we also realize that some of the Haitians are also paying a fee to the company to be able to work inside of this area. Uh, and the video takes us from from the cruise ship that she took to the resort area and then to the, uh, well, she can't leave the resort area <laughs> but to go filmed outside, but it, it takes us right up to the, to the limit of where she can go. Uh, so there's the, um, the wall and the barbed wire fence. And then we get to see a little bit of what's beyond that. Uh, and the video is, narrated uh, silently by these uh, by these subtitles that include first uh, a couple of lines from Columbus's uh, diary which is a little bit funny because it's like she's Columbusing the discovery of this uh, of Labadee in Haiti uh, but also uh, then we go seamlessly like without identifying which is which we go then into her own thoughts and, and reflections on what she's seeing in in this area, in this resort area, this kind of made up Haiti. Um, and I think that the video is really, uh, I mean, it just, it, it just makes us think about the, just seeing a place that is being uh, presented as so, you know, beautiful and pristine and how that it differentiates with how Haiti is always seen but that this area is being closed off and it's uh and it's not accessible to Haitians legally uh is kind of terrifying you know that and and what I when I felt what I really felt traveling throughout the region was like I was going back and forth on this timeline uh of how tourism has in, has penetrated more or less uh, a country's economy, psyche, uh, and governments. So you could go to, I don't know, you could go to Trinidad and it's mainly an oil-based economy. It's really like not dependent on tourism. Although they, they have a lot of like conferences and stuff. It's like a, it's like a regional financial hub. So the kind of tourism that they have is mainly like business-based. Uh, and then you could go to Aruba and 85% of the economy is dependent on tourism. And traveling right after, I, I was actually traveling before, um, before and after Irma and Maria, so like I was in I was in Trinidad when Irma hit. Um, I got delayed and came back to Puerto Rico um, right after the hurricane, and then when I I left, Maria hit, <laughs> and and then I was traveling and and it devastated Puerto Rico. So I was traveling back and forth in time. It felt. <laughs> yeah. because like I was coming back home and I didn't have electricity or anything and then I would because I already had the the tickets and I didn't you know I didn't lose them so I was traveling abroad and just being like <laughs> in the modern world again um, <laughs> but but there was this feeling of wow you know like if like there has been this emphasis in the last couple of years actually since 2014, I would say, um, there's real emphasis on developing the visitor economy in Puerto Rico. And what, but at the same time, it's like, I mean, you can't really depend on this because then a hurricane hits and everything changes and people don't want to come. Uh, or, or what they do is, you know, they <laughs> make up an NGO and steal money. <laughs> um, so, you know, it just it just feels like uh, like it's something very fragile, unstable. Um, yeah, and and it feels like 
there hasn't really been a lot of uh, <laughs> you know a lot of thinking into what we can do like there was a plantation economy great <laughs> right <laughs> you know and then uh in some places there was uh, a shift towards industrialization okay um and then what happens beyond that i mean in puerto rico the the shift has been towards the service economy and trying to develop uh, tourism so that it takes up more of our you know more of a percentage within within uh, our e economic development numbers but it just seems like a like a failed you know like a like a bad strategy i would say yeah. and it was really stressed by the situation with the hero games yeah, it feels like like the colonial model just keeps being re reconfigured, you know, with different um, uh, plantation tours and whatever you want to call it. But you mm -hmm. still have the same type of extracting goods, mm -hmm. um, extracting people to benefit um, others that, you know. Now, I, I saw the show in New York and I remember there was a work by, um, by, by Onika Russell which was um it's really nice textile work it, that work is also in puerto rico correct yes yes um that that's one of the four um commissions that we did for the for the show sophia's was also a commission daltongata a, a cuban painter who lives in puerto rico we also commissioned a painting uh, we have another commission by ricardo cabret who did a digital work uh, it's a, it's a sculpture, but it's also JavaScript based. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other one. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then there is Anika's work. Uh, and when I spoke to her, she was one of the artists that like, I knew I wanted to meet and we had been in, you know, in touch through Instagram, email, et cetera. So I had, I knew of her work and I wanted to meet her. So we met in, in Jamaica and we've been in, you know, in, in, in contact ever since, but I also wanted to, I also wanted to see not just what he, she had available, but what she was thinking about. And she told me that she was developing these, uh, it's like banners, like hand, um, um, they were hand woven uh, and they were bigger, but she had this idea of making them uh, in, of making smaller ones and having like different uh, variations of the banners as a kind of an alternate uh, souvenir. So she was really, uh, she remembered some souvenirs that she saw in the, that she remembered from the 1970s. Um, and there were these kind of velvet wall hangings that people would have, she said that people would have them at home as well. So this, this was something that was kind of, uh, also like souvenirs that were also being consumed by by locals and she kind of wanted to strike back at the souvenir industry where things are you know reproduced elsewhere and kind of forced to <laughs> to be local with a label or just like a name so it's kind of uh striking back at the the same shit different island t-shirt basically <laughs> and and the you know and the kind of cliche uh souvenirs so through this work and through another um uh, another more recent work that is also like this deck of cards um she has been thinking about creating different types of souvenirs that present other narratives um and that can also be conversation pieces that can be like and in that can interrupt the usual the usual thinking around around souvenirs or around the place so the wall hangings um, include uh, drawings that are taken from some of her animations or previous uh, or or other works like earlier works and then they are accompanied by certain words that can be you know like thought-provoking words um like exotic or uh island fantasy uh love i think love 
I don't remember now. I think there's like I five think different there was iterations. About love, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and also that makes yeah, because that makes sense. Um, because something that would always come up in conversation, not only and and in my experience as well, um, uh, in the Dominican Republic and in Jamaica is that, and of course that doesn't exclude Puerto Rico at all. Uh, but it was the the interest in like the girlfriend experience or the boyfriend experience and the sex tourism, like yes. what people want to uh, experience when they go to these places, when they come to our islands. Like what is the what is in their head? <laughs> yeah, I mean, tell me about it. I I just came back from a trip to Baja, and in the in the airport. They had um, a pharmacy that you can go in and buy Viagra and all this other like pills. And I'm like, and I would even go to like the time that I was staying, I was called to Santos and the pharmacies, what they would advertise and outside was like, you know, painkillers, like all this other stuff. So um, anyway, side note for all those listeners wow. that are interested <laughs> in that type of stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, sex tourism is a thing. I mean, Cuba forgot to take like you know mm-hmm. anyway yeah um so i think that that all relates to the work in a way like fantasy island love you know um it really speaks to that but also there was uh there was something else that i was really interested in uh in 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 her work about like i really um i was interested in the commission uh and and you know, making it possible <laughs> to um, to commission the work because not only because of the narrative of the of the work and what the work is about, but also how she made it. Um, so she really wanted to uh, to establish a relationship with a local manufacturer in in Kingston, so that this would so so that this could contribute to a local economy of an and in like another woman's enterprise, basically. So um, the work has the possibility because it's not handmade; it is machine woven. Um, it has the possibility of being reproduced and of the cost being lower. So this could have the potential of being a piece that circulates more. So it was kind of a, like a beta test of something that could uh, that could reinsert itself in people's lives and in people's homes, like the souvenir uh, of decades past, but in a way that would ins- that would insert this um, these words, not only the images, but also the words um, in ways that could provoke conversations around the, you know, around the industry and around the its impact in 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 people's lives yeah yeah you know you're based in puerto rico at the mac um and i was very intrigued also about like the i saw the show in new york um and we'll have the pleasure to see it in puerto rico in a couple of weeks but i was wondering about that experience about taking a show you know to the diaspora and to the caribbean like if you um, kind of like the dynamics of the audiences. Um, I don't know. I was wondering if there's, you know, if you could tell us more about that experience. Well, well, as you know, I was heavily pregnant <laughs> throughout most of the uh, making of the show. So I like I was able to go to New York once the show had opened a couple of months after it opened. I wasn't even there for the for the opening or for installation because I was like 37 weeks or 38 weeks when they were um, installing the show so I couldn't travel anymore um, <laughs> so I am indebted to uh, Rachel Remick and Chie uh, Homilla and Hojima and um, I Iglesias is looking because of what they were able to accomplish um, in installing the show I love them forever for it um so i was i eventually went there in december a couple of times uh, on two occasions actually and and i i also read the uh like kind of the, like the visitor's log or whatever that notebook uh i think 
it really hit a nerve with Puerto Ricans and, and Dominicans. Um, I think that that was uh, that was a nice audience uh, that the show that the show had there, and I think that um, there were certain issues that sometimes when you are in the diaspora, where you are away from your you know from your place of origin, you can see some things more clearly. You're not as like um clouded by everyday you know your everyday life or the things that you have to do or the hustle that you might have to you know engage in um so there is this kind of and i think that that also affected you know how i see this because i would say i i didn't live in puerto rico for a long time and when i came back Uh, like I, I lived in Argentina and in Chile and Argentina from 2008 till 2014. So when I would come back to Puerto Rico, I would be um, kind of um, not, I mean, <laughs> uh, not super shocked, but definitely there was a, um, there was a period of like, um, of culture shock of seeing how things were changing, uh, how neighborhoods were changing Uh, the kind of like real estate speculation was really intense, and what the what what the narratives were, um, and what was being pitched as public policy. So because I have that outsider's view, I kind of outsider insider <laughs> uh, perspective. Yes. I was I, I think that that put me in a position uh, to kind of analyze a little bit from afar but at the same time having like insider's knowledge and I think that that's uh, something that other people in the diaspora can identify with uh, and um, but I wish that I had more um, more contact with other people who had been seeing the show I think that I we got like really nice uh, we, we got really nice feedback during the visits but mostly during the talks Uh, and but but that's as far as I could go, you know. Yeah. Like I I didn't have the opportunity to give a lot of uh, guided visits or like engage with a ton of people. What I did like was that someone who wrote about the show I've never met. I have no, you know, like <laughs> uh, that was really nice. Uh, I think it was it was a review by Johanna Fateman, and it you know it's a critic that I've never met that. I never gave a uh, a guided visit to nothing, and I think that it was successful in the sense that you know she got it, like she got what the what the work was about and what the project was about. Um, so that felt really uh, that was really rewarding at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, but I think so. So what about now in Puerto Rico? Now but yeah, show like now now in Puerto Rico, I think that people are like. Mo a, a lot of the people that are seeing her are tourists, to be honest. Uh, like during the week, there are a ton of tourists. Uh, and then I think that uh, more during the weekends, like Puerto Ricans come. Uh, so it's it's an interesting mix. I had a, I'm not sure if they are a beneficiary of the of the tax incentives but i was i was walking around the neighborhood <laughs> last week and an american came up to me and she was like i loved your your guided visit thank you so much it's so important what you're doing it's like are you one of the people that are <laughs> that that are <laughs> cashing in or like not paying taxes <laughs> here you know um so i i don't know it's it's a It's an interesting situation. I think that the show couldn't have happened at a more um, like pivotal moment in in terms yes. of the of of the problems that we're seeing. I mean, sadly, it's like it's very timely. Sadly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's 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 the situation. I mean, uh, there have been a lot of protests uh actually there was there was a security guard who shot a protester uh and a private security guard uh because they were protesting um an illegal private development on top of a cave 
Like literally it's this building that they built without like without permits on top of a cave. It's just insane the way that uh, some just like some business people are so crazy. <laughs> yeah. And they're just like without scruples, you know? Uh, so there's a lot of, uh, of things that are being done with either without permits or with like really sketchy permits. And there has, there has been a lot of activism uh, historically, but even more so now, because we feel that there is this urgency uh, in, in trying to keep our beaches and our natural resources accessible. Yeah, yeah. I have a question, Marina. After doing research for this show and mounting the show, what is your, what can we expect from you next? Are you building off of the work from this particular exhibition or have you decided to move in a different direction and, and explore different ideas? Yeah, yeah, thank you for that question. It's something that it's very uh, like top of mind, definitely. I am, I will struggle, <laughs> but I am uh, doing research to write um, a longer essay. I mean, there's one, there's, there's an essay in the, um, in the pocketbook that we published with America Society, but that one, it, it's not like it goes super deep into the, into the works because then in the, ca in, in the pocketbook, like there's um, individual artwork texts. So that essay is more like uh, kind of like a general framework, uh, like um, more like like a it speaks more to the like general theoretical framework for the show, and then there's the artwork commentary, right? But that is like the overarching <laughs> uh, theoretical framework. What I want to do now, what I what I committed to doing <laughs> in the next few months, more importantly, is write an essay that goes deeper into like Puerto Rican art history, in and in like what different manifestations of like kind of anti-tourist um, cultural manifestations or anti-tourism um, industry uh, cultural manifestations there have been here and I, I guess the earliest uh, that I've been able to to find uh, it's a book that was published in 1846 that gathers uh, gathers stories from the, de the depression era basically it's like 30s to up until the 40s uh, and it's by Emilio Velaval and it's called Cuentos para Fomentar el Turismo um, Stories to encourage tourism it's very it's very ironic and uh, and i and i i want to do and also there was um a print portfolio in 1950 with a text by another um, another renowned author rene marquez who like speaks directly about tourism uh so it it turns out that there was a uh there was a, a tax on salt in the 1930s and that's what started that was that tax uh is how puerto rico was able to establish a fund to promote tourism in puerto rico and there was a lot of backlash against that also because it coincided with political turmoil here and like polit and political violence uh there was a a, a massacre of over 20 pro-independence puerto ricans uh in 1937 and this all, like, this is all happening at the same time. Uh, so I want to kind of sketch that out and try to put together an essay that collects different examples of, um, of these cultural manifestations, whether it's in individual arts or in, or in literature uh, or even like visual culture in, in, in like protest posters, et cetera, uh, that speak to that mm, resistance. So I'm trying to accomplish that <laughs> for June. Uh, yeah. And yeah, that's what's, that's what's happening. Um, this definitely could be, I mean, that could definitely be a, a, a show as well. 
but I want to, I was challenged to do it from like an art historical um, perspective. So I'm going to try to do that. I have to <laughs> now. And then uh, there's another project that I've been, uh, that I'm working on that is not like super, um, it's not super related, uh, I guess. I mean, it's not it, the how I would describe the project is not like in the same vein of the of the tourist economy, but it touches upon that. It's a project that I'm um, gonna be co-curating with um, Paula Anaton, another uh, she's an Irish curator uh, based in New York. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But it's like. Um, so there's definitely two ways in which this can go. Like I can, I can um, expand the latitudes I, or, or like stay within the tropics, but around the world. Uh, and then there's the diving deeper into our own um, Puerto Rican art history. That's, those are two ways in which I will definitely keep developing the, the research and the work. I'm, I'm just, you know, generally interested in it. Uh, I don't think that you can exhaust the, the theme really as long as it as long as it's relevant and so and as long as it keeps affecting people's lives in in such a way i think that we should you know keep keep at it uh and an interesting um like anecdote is that when i first took some time off some time off <laughs> my day job at the time um in 2016 to work on this I was in a residency in Montreal and I and I spent some time with a couple of Swiss artists who could totally identify with what I was talking about, even though they were Swiss. Um, but they were from the yeah, from the countryside, so they can relate to the idea of the picturesque and how uh their not, I mean, obviously not their lives personally, but like people they know. Uh, how their lives are affected by this and how uh, the towns where they grew up or close to where they grew up are affected by it. They, they actually told me about a, a place where like uh, a guy would kind of basically perform being a shepherd because that, that used to be what the economy was based on. But now it's like, it's, it's just uh, a town for very rich people to go, but they want to keep it up, you know, keep appearances up and, so he would like uh, herd sheep across the <laughs> across town, but it's <laughs> but it's just a performance, you know. Um, and and that was really that was really interesting to me how how these how this kind of performing of nationality or performing you know uh, certain things that are expected of a place it's not it it's not exclusive to our region, uh, and this could this could be something that you know, really um, that other people can relate to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maureen, I wanted to ask you, um, as the show has um, traveled to Puerto Rico, are there any plans for the exhibition to kind of move through the Caribbean in any way? Uh, I um, Honestly, there hasn't been any, any conversation. I haven't started it, but also no one has reached out. <laughs> um, it would be, it would be awesome. Of course, there is the, the problem of, um, mm -hmm. funding. Like, of funding. Um, yeah. I want to, the, like all the artists are getting paid every time the show, you know, is put up so that instantly means that there's like, you know, thousands of dollars <laughs> in costs. And then there's, uh, Shipping and shipping, uh, and even though we have, uh, I mean, it's it's not like there's tons of crates, but there are some works that need to be that would need to be reprinted or redone everywhere. Um, we were very lucky to have support from uh, from different foundations for this. We got support from the Andy Warhol. We got support from Tiger Foundation, uh, and I know that. You know, because we are an American colony, we have access to these uh, to these foundations, and mm -hmm. this is not the case um, everywhere else. And and then there's the issue of you know, just like exhibition calendars or 
uh, not necessarily like government overreach, but like government control of certain uh, of certain institutions. Yeah. So like it's not necessarily we we are a private nonprofit here. Uh, so I don't I don't know how a critical view of a national industry would be seen by uh, you know uh, a national gallery, for example. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I think it's such yeah. a shame because it's such an important conversation and and um, to be able to have it within the region would be kind of powerful and interesting because much like your experience in the Puerto Rican, uh, your institution where you work, I mean, here we have the same cohort. We have a lot of tourists that want to see these shows and to, for them, it would be inter- really interesting to see how they're confronted <laughs> with that kind of um, thought process and work and really kind of looking at their own subjectivity where they are in that space at that time, you know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of works that, um, that those like value is really in returning the gaze. Uh, I can think of like Gladys, uh, Gladys Gamby's work in the show um, with her, uh, her piece uh, Insurgés or um, some, like two of the prints that we included in the show by Joey Minaya um, and Dalton Gata's painting. Uh, it's called Beware of El Chango. It has this like bird man <laughs> looking, looking straight at you. And it's kind of this defender of the territory uh, in a kind of beautiful, but also menacing uh, way. And that's how that's and actually Dalton and Gladys's work is like at the end, like how the show ends. So that's kind of the, the feeling that you get in, in, in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I can see. I can definitely see how this would you know, be, be very relevant in other places, it's just an issue of paying for it. You yeah, know, interest and paying for it, and like having the the available space, and it's an issue, you know. <laughs> like, uh, I don't, I really don't know where else. Like, for example, in the Dominican Republic, I don't know where where else I would go that's not Central León, because I know that at the, uh, you know, where where else like Museo Arte Moderno, Museo Arte Museo Arte Moderno, like with the Dominican government, I don't know if they would if if they would be. Yes. Yeah, you know, interested in, yeah. in something that critiques <laughs> their um, their own actions. That's yeah. that's an issue with mm-hmm. yeah. or or the yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, but at least um, for now, people can tune in into this conversation, and you know, from here, continue to have those critical conversations and access the work and access the exhibition um because this is you know like we've been like like you've said these are themes that are important to the entire region and that also connects to other parts of the world um that are dealing with similar dynamics in terms of their their the history of colonialism and in relation to tourism so yeah yeah how it is a continuation really um, there has been interest uh, for the show to travel back to the U.S. Okay. Uh, and and I think that it, that would be nice because it would be, hopefully, if it happens, it would be in an academic setting as well. So this could be something that is used by students and by professors. Uh, so, you know, fingers crossed that it, that it happens. Uh, and also because there are big... Um, diaspora communities around those campuses as well so we'll see we'll see um, I would definitely love for the show to keep traveling it's an issue with uh, I mean there's so much to coordinate in terms of shipping because there are I mean it's insane you know like if you want to have a tax exemption uh, when you do a temporary import of the works here Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to renew it every three months and of course like no show lasts less than three months so it's like there is this paperwork that you have to refile and refile and refile and and then uh, basically hope that um 
the customs agents in other in other countries don't want to overcharge. It's insane, really. Um, it's it's really complicated. It is here too in Jamaica, getting things in, how to do it, bonded bonded imports, things like that. And mm-hmm. you're subject to the customs officer. You know, <laughs> you have to make sure you're on good terms, so you yeah. can have conversations and stuff. Yeah, you have to make sure that you hire the right person that's in touch with the right people. Mm-hmm. And and it's like it's there's a lot of things that are kind of up in the air until the work returns. And then like surprise. Right. <laughs> it's it's happened before and uh it's very unpleasant. But you know, we'll we'll we're gonna keep um trying to circulate works, works from the region and bringing them to, to Puerto Rico. Another way that we've kind of find found around it is obviously like inviting the artists to, to come here, but they need to have a U.S. visa uh, right. to come here and make, and make work in Puerto Rico. So we're, we're trying in different ways. Uh, could you, to, could you tell our listeners like where they could find perhaps the catalog online um, online access to perhaps see parts of the exhibition, if not the full thing, your curatorial thinking around it, and yes. maybe your IG, and we can, you know. Okay, um, there is the, well, there there are two ways to access the, the, the pocketbook. Uh, the PDF is on America Society's website, so you can look up uh, Tropicalist Political Caribbean Art under the uh, visa economy regime that uh, they have like a mini website for the show so everything is in there like all the um the recorded conversations the in the studio visits with artists from the show okay. um, all the events that we had uh and the publication uh there's a a version in english and a version in spanish and the PDF can be accessed and downloaded on their website. Um, if somebody wants the print version, we also have them available for sale um, uh, at the you know at the museum shop, which is available online as well. And you mm-hmm. can check it out through our social media channels. So it's at Museo Mac PR. It's M U S E O M A C P R Museo Mac. PR. Uh, and my personal IG is at the uh, dot visitor economy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Marina, thanks so much for being with us today and sharing your work and the exhibition and congratulations on getting it to Puerto Rico. <laughs> and let's hope it can travel elsewhere despite all the challenges that we all are quite familiar with. Yes. Yes. Thank yes. you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. No, um, th- thank you. Thank you for the invitation. It's great to be able to to share the the work and yeah, just I want everybody to to come see it or or I don't know if somebody if somebody listening wants to <laughs> wants to take on the show. Let me know. <laughs> yes. 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 And yes. and and by the way, for our trustees that are listening, board members. Are those who have the means to be a part of these exhibitions, if you are interested in making sure that your region gets any of the exhibitions by any of the curators who come on, or honestly, the ladies who are already on This Week in Caribbean Art and Culture, because they're pretty fabulous themselves, and they do lots of work. If you want to get them to your region instead of just having them in the United States on uh, the continental United States, that is an idea that you should explore. You can reach out to any of our hosts or you can reach out to the curators that you, you've heard throughout the program. But before we go, and I wanna make sure that I do this before we go, we have some great listeners who have downloaded and been a part of this show for quite a while in different parts of the world. And I really just wanted to shout you out to all of our listeners in the United States, in Jamaica, Canada, the United Kingdom, the Bahamas, Poland, Rwanda, the U.S. Virgin Islands, France, Germany, Singapore, South Africa, Africa, Curacao, Guam, and Spain. Thank you so much for being a part of this week in Caribbean art and culture. 
please be sure to share the download with your friends, encourage them to subscribe and keep passing the word on to your friends and colleagues. Marina, again, thank you for joining us. Um, I'm so happy that we have your contact information. If you're not already following her on social, please do. Susie, where can we find you online? Um, you can find me on IG, Susie Wong Presents. And Maria? You can also find me on the gram at Contemporary Chica. I love it. And you can always follow Sugarcane Magazine at Sugarcane Magazine on Instagram. Be sure to visit our webpage, sugarcanemag.com. Thank you so much for your support. And we can't wait to talk to you next week. Have a great week, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.